We are back with another episode of the From the Raptors podcast. Sam and I are here recording on Wednesday, August 10th, and we are joined by uh, Keith Smith of Celtics blog, Spa Track, uh, and the Front Office Show podcast. How are you doing, Keith? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Keith, this is very random. Is it Spo Track or Spa Track? Because I, I think... had it right the first time. It's it's okay. really like, it, think of it almost like two words, like spot and track, Okay, and then just jam them together, Spa Track. You gotcha. could make Spo Track just for Spo Track. That's it. Could have, but sure. we, yeah, but we didn't. So, <laughs> or they didn't. Gotcha. I should say. I had nothing to do with naming it. So, I always say Spo Track in my head, but then I, I was listening to you on the front office pod, and I was like, okay, I think I'm wrong. I think yeah, wrong. a lot of people say Sport Track, Sport Track. <laughs> so, oh yeah, it's. I like Sport Track. I, I like that one. That's new. <laughs> Sounds like um, something you put on your gloves as like a wide receiver to catch the ball better. <laughs> right, it does love that. Um. But yeah, I was telling you uh, before we hopped to hit the record button, I want to start with the Kevin Durant news. Um, not that there's anything rel- like necessarily new, but you got all these new reports from Ian Begley of SNY, Adam Himmelsbach, Sham, Steve Bopet, all this stuff going on. So I wanted to ask you that. But before that, I just I just need to know, this is very important. Would you give up Grant Williams in a Kevin Durant trade? Depends on what else is going in that trade. I mean, he's. I'm not taking him off the table entirely. If it was like, all right, uh, that that's gonna be it for us today, guys. Uh, we're gonna. To... <laughs> no, sorry, uh, sorry. I just saw. I saw you tweet about it because there was someone saying uh, yeah, that on Twitter. People go a little too far sometimes. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, no. We had a report from Adam Himmelsbach today. Kind of, I guess, the Celtic side of things. Effectively, you're hearing all these reports from Shams and Woj, and it sounds like. Pretty clearly, it's coming out of the Nets camp, and Adam basically saying, you know, nothing's happening right now. They're not close. He did also note that the Nets asked for Tatum and Brown when negotiations started, which I thought was funny. Uh, just your thoughts, I guess, on this quote-unquote news uh, coming from the Globe. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not gonna lie, I legitimately laughed out loud when I saw the Tatum and <laughs> Brown thing. I get it though, right? You you shoot high, you always ask high in any kind of negotiation because the worst yep. they're going to say is no. Uh, I likened it over on the front office show when we recorded today to, I don't know if you guys ever play FIFA, the FIFA video mm-hmm. game. Yeah. But yeah. if you're like trying to get a player and like they find your offer insulting, like they, the computerized like other manager gets up and like storms out and he's <laughs> like, you're, you were never serious or whatever the pre-programmed language is. Like I like to envision like Brad Stevens being like, this is a joke. And then like just hangs up <laughs> and is like, I'm, I'm done with Wait, wearing his generic outfit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, um, yeah. I, I, so I guess the, the way I would think through this is it's, I, I'm not surprised the Nets are putting a massive asking price for Kevin Durant. I think it kind of says two things. Is One is like, we don't really want to trade him, but if we're going to, you're going to have to blow us away with an offer we absolutely cannot refuse. Um, and then from the Celtics side, it's good to have some confirmation that this um, – well, it, yeah, I shouldn't use confirmation because it's it's not. Well, we'll never know yeah. for sure. <laughs> but confirmation-ish that – this was handled in a certain way and we'll see you know where where it goes from there but it never got real serious and and i get it it was you know i always say it's like if the celtics called up the lakers and said hey we'll give you guys uh sam hauser for lebron james what do you think and then they could be like well we made an offer for lebron and the lakers passed it up right and it's like <laughs> i mean i guess but like it's not realistic so that's that's you know sometimes where the stuff works it's uh you know just kind of how it goes so i think it is um you know, it's just something to, to, to kind of, all right, well, it's just another piece of information and off we go. Yeah. I mean, the Shams report saying that they included Brown in a deal for all we know, that was the Nets asking for Tatum and Brown and the Celtics, you know, they, they just left out the part about Tatum and just decided to include Brown in the report. But uh, yeah. you also see the note. Um, I think it was from Shams too, saying that the Nets plan on taking quote unquote, every last asset from any team uh, that they trade uh, Durant to, where do you think that leads, right? Because you don't want other teams to know that. Obviously, the reports are just being spewed out by these executives using Shams uh, as you know a means to get their information out there. What does that tell you? Does that tell, like you were saying, is that effectively them saying we're not going to trade Durant, but you know he wants out, so you better give us everything if you actually want us to do it. 
Yeah, I think that's really what it is. I think the Nets are basically saying, hey, we have a pretty high asking price. And if you want to make a deal, you have to meet that asking price. And if you don't, that's fine. We'll work and content to keep him for now. Now, the reality is we've got a little bit of a clock on this at this point because I don't think they really want to go into training camp with him. Now we're getting reports out of New York, out of some of the writers who cover the Nets closely, that he won't come to camp like there were a lot of people like well Kevin Durant's a real hooper whatever that means so he's not going to miss like he just wants to play and all this stuff and the reality is yeah maybe I mean that could be true but I think the other thing is a lot of people look at him and be like if he's that serious then he'll stay away and Kevin Durant unlike a lot of other players he's made millions hundreds of millions of dollars both on and off the court so he doesn't need to come you know, he's not a guy who's sitting there saying, yeah, you know, I got to get there because I need those checks. Like, he's fine if he misses, you know, a while of training camp. So we'll see what happens here. It's, you know, it's a little bit of a, you know, we got, let's call it a month and a half-ish, and then guys will start filtering into town before camp, and, and we'll see. So there's at least a little bit of a clock on it, but I, I think the Nets are driving a high ask, as they should. It's, it's Kevin Durant. He's one of the best players in, you know, in the game still. He's one of the best players of all time, so you should be asking a whole bunch for him. Yeah. It's, it's a weird situation because you see, like, Durant calling out Nets ownership on Twitter, or sorry, vice versa. Nets ownership calling out Kevin Durant on Twitter, kind of like subtweeting uh, as Sam returns from his frozen. Sure. Sam, you're in it better now. Or are we? Are we back? Sam has Verizon issues. He has a beef. Uh, I see <laughs> a long running beef with Verizon. But um, Joe Sai obviously tweeting out. You know, we're gonna back Steve Nash and Sean Marks. We like uh, our guys, Kevin Durant, based on the Shams report, saying it's either me or those two. That's not a great situation to be in for any party involved. Like Sam, welcome back. Uh, we're talking Thank about you. Kevin Kevin Durant's beef with Joe Sai. What do you make of that? Is it just like it's going to spiral out of control until he eventually gets traded? Is it tenable by any chance? Like what's what's going on? Any any just your insight, I guess. Yeah, I mean it's Joe Sai saying I have our GM and coaches back, and and we whatever, I forget the exact phrasing, but basically like we're, we're going to see this through uh, with them. And we'll do what's best for the Nets. I, one is, I mean, if he, he could fire them today and be like, well, what was best for the Nets was firing them, right? He, that was what he ended it with. We're, we're going to do what's best for the Nets. I think for Kevin Durant's side of things, Kevin Durant is looking at it and basically saying, um, you know, okay, hey, he could come back and be like, I never said that, like that, that wasn't true. Right. And we'll never know if he did or didn't, because I'm sure there's no recording of him saying that or anything like that. So I believe the reporting, I have no doubt to doubt the reporting The reporters that it's come from have been largely accurate. Right. And that they've rarely been uh, off the mark with anything like this. So I'm going to believe the reporting, but all sides can very easily, we've seen things like this. I, I go back to might be a little bit before you guys time, but I mean, Shaq and Kobe, we're ready to kill each other and they were still playing games together and playing great. So it's like, it's, I'm not going to, you know, stress over stuff like this. If, if Kevin Durant wants to play and he decides, all right, you know what, then you can't find the right trade. I'm going to see it through then go. And I think from the net side, they should basically be saying, Hey man, we just gave you a four year extension that is only just starting now. And you're already saying you want out. Like what, where are we going with this? And, and it's not like they, Gave him that four-year extension, then traded away every other good player, and they're like, we're rebuilding the roster. It's like they've yeah. done everything he's asked, and he's just not happy. So, you know, I don't blame the Nets for basically drawing a line in the sand and saying, no, we're we're holding. We're, we're going to hold tight. I'm with you on that one. I'm a big fan of the team putting the hammer down. I get so sick of players, especially the extension part <laughs> is the real kicker because you just said you're going to stay here and – you kind of gave up your leverage in terms of demanding a trade. Like you're under contract for four years, sit out, mm-hmm. retire, do what you want. They don't have to trade him <laughs> at all. Right. Like they really don't. And I think, yeah, yeah. and you, you may agree, disagree, but the Ben Simmons thing definitely has had an impact on this in terms of them not immediately folding. And also the fact that the nets have kind of done everything he's asked, you know, let him decide or, or be in on decisions with the general manager kind of make it weak for him to say, all right, I want the GM gone. Yeah. How are you going to blame him? You were in on it. 
Sure. I think one of the I've come around. I used to be very much that way of where like, hey, like this is not right. You can't ask for trades. And then the more I've gotten to know players and talk to players, teams can trade them almost whenever they want, right? There's a handful of circumstances where players aren't eligible for trades. They can block trades, those kind of things. But for the most part, it's we could trade you whenever we want. And in this case, the Nets could trade Kevin Durant whenever they feel like it. And I think that's where it is. It does seem a little weird, right, that that's the world we operate in is only one side is expected to live up to the contract where the other side is there. Now, I get it. You sign that contract knowing I could be traded at any point. But I just say those are the kind of things where I kind of laugh about that a little bit where it's like, really, like this is where we're going going with this. So it's 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 one of those things where I think what we're going to see, I think one of the big pieces of CBA negotiation is going to be you sign an extension. You both parties, you're locked into each other for X amount of time, whether that is two years, halfway through the extension, whatever the case is, it's going to be you're locked in together. It won't be for the life of it, and it shouldn't be, right? Because teams and players should both be able to exercise their right to to pivot to other things. Um, But yeah, I've always found it weird where it's, it's taken so negatively when a player demands a trade. But if a team openly says, you know, hey, player X is on the block, like anybody want to trade for him? We're all like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, what, why is that a thing? Like, well, why is that cool? But when a player wants it, it's not. So that's, you know, that, that's kind of my thought on it where I think, yeah, the whole thing's a little bit broken where both parties are like, yeah, I can break this whenever I feel like it. Like, that probably isn't how it should be either. Yeah, yeah there should have no, to be some kind of, like, circumstance that happens, whether it's a rebuild or, you know, um, in the player's case, they they don't have the guys on the team. They're not putting the guys out there, and he decides he wants to leave. It just yeah. I think your challenge there becomes how do you define that? Right? Yeah, because like, would you say the the Jazz are in the middle of a rebuild? I think right now they could feels say, like it. It feels like it, right? But they could say, why we traded one player and we got five good players for him. We're still good. Like we're fine. Now that could be what they say, right? If Donovan Mitchell was like, trade me, trade me now. They can right, so that's where you just got to be careful defining. I think it'll be a time definition where it'll be you sign a four year extension two for two years, you're locked in together, whatever it might be. They'll, they'll figure something out where probably uh, neither side ends up overly happy, which is generally means all right, we reached a fairly good agreement. <laughs> just make it like 2K where you have to list uh, if you're a buying, selling, rebuilding, or yeah. contending team, and then it solves everything, right? You just right you're going to hang up on me when I said I would <laughs> trade Grant Williams. You ever say make it like 2K, I'm out. Like, don't make anything like 2K. It's Check, like we talked about this last time. It's not 2K. Very clearly not 2K, which is why, <laughs> oh, come on. why so many people have issue with the Durant. Yeah. 2k's yeah. whole thing is is about as broken as it gets so like mm-hmm. yeah it's uh you know well this guy is a higher rating cool so <laughs> some dude like me decided that like that's not how <laughs> life works like, yeah. fair enough um next thing i have on my little list here ian begley put out a report saying that kevin durant's quote-unquote preferred destinations are now the celtics and another team uh listed on that group is the philadelphia 76ers uh, it also said that Durant wants to play with Marcus Smart, which I guess makes it like Celtics fans saying, oh, just give up Derek White in the deal then, which is this whole thing. And then uh, reporting from, I think, Frank Isola, and if I say that wrong, I'm sorry, saying that he could want to team up with James Harden again, which is cool. Uh, just what do you make of both of those things, I guess, starting with the wants to play with Smart thing, and then we can dive into the Harden you know, black hole soon. <laughs> yeah. For all that the Kevin Durant's desired teams means literally nothing. He has no, he doesn't have any form of no trade clause or anything like that. If the Nets decide the best place to trade him is Orlando, they should trade him to Orlando. Right. And then let it go. And then we get the best deal for us. The challenge is why you want to put this out there is you also want to let teams know, Hey, you require me. I'm just going to turn right back around and be like, I don't want to be here either. So that becomes the that's why Orlando's not going to jump in on the Kevin Durant, Durant you know, uh, mix on that. Now, all reports are as it should have been, all 29 teams made a call as they should, right? Because if it turns around and uh, much to Jack's dismay, if it's hey, all we need is Grant Williams back, well, then everybody should be thrown into the mix uh. Uh, with this. <laughs> but I do think it is, 
I think him saying, hey, I'm cool with Boston. I'm cool with Philly. I think what that is, is the Suns are kind of off the table. The Heat don't really have a way to make it happen. So let me put out there like, hey, these couple other teams. Because what he's trying to do is make sure these teams know, hey, I'm cool with going there. I want out of here. So let's make sure I can work myself to somewhere. That makes sense. So that's why with that, the Marcus Smart stuff, I kind of get it right there. A couple Durant played at Texas. Smart's a Texas guy. Smart's yeah. a guy who's very well respected around the league because of everything he does defensively. He plays very hard every night. Uh, Durant has been guarded by him a lot. So I think he knows like, hey, that's a guy you can go to battle with. And I feel pretty good about that. And I think it's also the idea is like, hey, let's not uh, – bottom out the team too much here by sending too much out because I want to come and compete for championships, right? Like I don't want to be on a team where it's you traded everything and now it's me and nothing left like that. That's the, the tricky part. And that's the hard part with this whole Durant trade is the Nets need a lot back, but the other team needs to make sure you're in a position, which is why teams like Boston are they're one of the few teams that can reasonably do something like this because they could put a really, you know, a blue chip player like Jalen Brown in the mix and say, Hey, we can do Jalen Brown in a pick and a role player, uh, probably Derek white. It sounds like, and then we can make this happen and we're still going to be really, really good. Uh, where a lot of other teams, it's like, yeah, in order to meet your asking price, we have to then tear so much down um, with that. The Sixers part, it's hard because I just don't know how you get there. Right? You almost have to involve Tobias Harris for mm-hmm. salary matching purposes. If Tobias Harris was an expiring contract and it was like Harris and Maxi and Thibel and a pick or two, I could see Brooklyn saying, all right, we'll, we'll do that because one year Tobias Harris is fine. He keeps us competitive. We'll go. It's that second year where it starts to become, uh, I don't know that I want to take on that second year at 39 million or so or whatever it is. That that's where it starts to lose it in Philly. Quite frankly, they don't have the picks to put in because they yeah. already put all these picks in to go get James Harden uh, trades that they made with Oklahoma City in the past. So they're, they're kind of stuck on trading picks. So I just don't know that they can build up the value that's needed to really make a realistic play, given what the Nets are supposedly asking for. Yeah. When, when you said the Oklahoma City thing, all I could think in my head was Al Horford helping the Celtics out again by not letting <laughs> KD go to Philly. Uh, hey, no. it's funny. I jokingly said to some Sixers fans just to kind of tweak them. I was like, I kind of want it to happen just so I can hear all the trash talk from you guys. And then they hardened Durant and Embiid combined to play like a hundred games, and that's you know, <laughs> it all falls apart spectacularly because it just feels like that's what happens to Philly. Yep, of course. Well, it is funny that you mentioned how smart is so well respected around the league, but people. Uh, in this fan base cannot come together and respect him <laughs> as a whole. There, there's always a polarizing debate when it comes to Marcus Smart. Yeah, but- I don't get it, right? He, he should be the guy who should be beloved for the way he plays, right? There's If there's one thing, right, in every sport that everybody gets behind, it's a guy who does all the dirty work, right? It's, you know, no matter what the sport is, we all kind of love that guy. I think the challenge has been, I think part of what it is, it's just time. He's been in Boston so long, and I think fans equate the, to some extent, the failures to advance until this past year past the East Finals with, well, Tatum and Brown were kids, so we can't put the early failures on them. And all the other guys are gone. The only guy who's still here is Marcus Smart, so we're going to just throw it all the blame at him. And I think it just becomes too much. I think it's one of those things where, you know, my opinion is if you – if you can literally tell me you watch all the games and you don't see the value he he applies to the team and gives to the team, I, I would question if you're really watching or you just listen to sports radio parrot the same stupid stuff over and over <laughs> and over again because it's that's what it becomes. It just becomes you know kind of a silly talking point. That that's fantastic because that's typically the way I determine if somebody is worth having a conversation with is if they <laughs> start telling me, "Oh no, they got to get rid of Marcus Smart. Like he's he's weighing him down or mm-hmm. whatever." the The only time I've actually kind of listened to it is like recently, recently, and that's only because he just won Defensive Player of the Year. And if you're going to get rid of him, this is probably peak value. But even then, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, my thing is, it it's also never made any sense in other times when people have said it, they just then you would have been creating this massive hole on the team. 
And I think the bigger part of it, as I look at it, is it starts to become, where are we going with this? Now, I get it, right? You have Derek White, you have Malcolm Brogdon, you have Peyton Pritchard. He, those guys can all play the point. They can all play it fine. But the reality is I think the way Boston has built this team, the whole idea is we want to make sure we're covered if there's injuries. And quite frankly, trust in Malcolm Brogdon for more than – you know, let's say 50, 60 games, that's pretty risky, right? He's a guy who has very heavy injury history, especially in recent years. Um, so that becomes a little bit concerning uh, there. So for me, it's like, all right, so that's like call it just a half a player, not from ability, but from availability. So that's like a half a player. If, if And I know some people don't really like Peyton Pritchard. All right, so put the two of them together. So now, now you've got one spot covered. I don't want just one other guy. Right. I want to make sure I've got other, you know, I want to make sure I have at least a couple guys that I feel pretty good about. And then if Brogdon comes out and he plays 70, 75 games, great. Right. That's bonus. And we figure it all out. And I think this is going to continue to be an evolving roster with Brad Stevens throughout the course of the year. I think it's going to be, we're going to continue to tweak. We'll see what the year brings us, what we need to add. And we'll go because right now they probably could use another big and, you know, they'll, they'll figure that out, but they've got the, the, the pieces to be able to go do that. Cause the other thing I think that's really important that people keep kind of skipping over, I think in these trades is they keep only giving up one pick per trade. They haven't done one of these trade trades where it's two picks and then you're stuck. Cause you can't trade a pick, you know, a year from now or anything like that. Like they, yeah, they, they're trading the most likely trading the 23rd pick to the Pacers, the 2023 pick rather to the Pacers. And then that would turn into, all right, well, we can't trade 2024, but we could do 2025. So they're, they're well positioned to be able to do a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where, yeah, I'd say it goes way too far with the, you know, get Marcus Smart off this team stuff. Cause it's also like, well, who else do you want to play instead? Like that would drove me Jack knows, drove me nuts during the finals. Cause I'm like, so Derek White, who's looked terrified for large chunks of games. Peyton Pritchard, who hasn't been able to defend well enough to stay on the court right now in the finals. Like, where else were you going to go? Like, that's the, the, you know, I love everybody screams you. This guy should never see the floor again. But they never want to give you a, you know, well, this guy should play instead. Right? I guess you play with four, like Hoosiers. My team's on the floor, right? And that's it. Well, as much as I, I loved him, they could always just re-sign Dennis Schroeder because he's he's yeah. doing broken. <laughs> so there's that as well. But um, you you mentioned the roster, and that's the perfect segue into kind of the next thing I want to talk about. You see a report, uh, I think about a week ago at this point, maybe a little longer. Jay King for the Athletic, uh, explaining that the Celtics are basically hoping hosting, excuse me, an open roster, uh, or competition for the final spots on the roster during training camp. Um, among those quote unquote competing, uh, Noah Vonleh. Bruno Caboclo, and then reportedly probably like Justin Jackson, Broderick Thomas, Matt Ryan was notably left off that list. Um, I, I was listening to front office show podcast. And you mentioned that this is something like the Raptors have done in the past. Other teams uh, have employed. What do you make of the competition? And I know it's pretty unrealistic, but what do you, do, do you see any of these players kind of re-sparking sort of their career? Not necessarily finding like a spot in Boston's rotation, but proving sure. I still have left. Like I could be an NBA player. So, yeah, for sure. I think um, I, I wouldn't read too much into Matt Ryan being left out. Um, I, that that could be a situation where Matt Ryan's looking for more of a guaranteed shot at it, making a team versus, yeah. hey, you're really coming in here to fight for a two-way or to uh, get you know sent to the G League after training camp and those kind of things. And that's something where no disrespect left to Matt Ryan because he's got you know arguably the, one of the cooler stories in the NBA you can sign Matt Ryan two weeks before training camp starts most likely, or a, another player like Matt Ryan um, of all the guys they're bringing in. Caboclo is just because of the former lottery pick aspect to him, or maybe it wasn't a lottery pick, but first round high selection, there might be a little bit of, you know, intrigue there. Um, I think Noah Vonley is a guy who might have an actual shot to, to stick and make it because I think with, with Noah Vonley is the, the good part with him is that he is, how do I put this? He has always rebounded at the very least everywhere he's been 
every time he's gotten a chance to play. He's put up good rebounding numbers. And when you're looking for guys in roster spots 12 to 15, you're either looking for super high upside project guys or you're looking for guys who have at least one defined skill where we can say, put that guy on the floor. Oftentimes that can be, at least they can shoot. At least they can handle the ball and run the offense for 10 minutes if we need them to. Um, The reality is, if for the Celtics, if any of these guys is playing a big role, it's either gone amazingly well and the player is better than anybody thought, or far more likely, things have gone really wrong. Right. And it's all kind of falling apart on Boston. Um, Just you generally not looking for much out of those last, you know, three to four roster spots. Um, But to the bigger point is this is what you do. You bring in a bunch of guys and you turn the bottom of that roster. When you feel really comfortable with the top seven, eight, nine, even 10 spots in your rotation, you should be churning those bottom few spots. Now, a lot of times you do that through the draft, which that's what the Celtics did. That's how they got Grant Williams, right? That's how they got Peyton Pritchard is late draft picks that then they worked with. And those guys played their ways way into rotation spots and off we went. So I think what you're really looking for here out of the Celtics is um, they don't have those picks. So now you're kind of supplementing them with second draft kind of guys. Um, in some cases, these might be third or fourth draft kind of guys, but it's more age wise, right? Like Noah Vonley feels like he's been around forever. He's 26, right? So, like, it's just, I mean, part of that's just these guys come in so young now, right? To come in at 18, 19, and seven, eight years into a career that they're still only in their mid 20s. So, I think that's what you're kind of looking for uh, with those kind of guys is bring them in. Uh, see if one of them can pop and grab a rotation spot um, if necessary down the line, or at least they stick in your, you know what, there's a little something here. Let's invest in it for the future. Kind of like what happened with Sam Hauser, right? Like Hauser is probably not ever going to be a rotation guy, but there's at least a little something there shooting wise where let's keep working with them. And if, all right, he can hold his own defensively, he can defend and he can knock down 45% of his three pointers. Yeah. Well, We'll we'll run them out there and off we go. The the rebounding aspect of Vonley is super exciting because Jack, you know better than anybody. I was losing my mind watching teams get <laughs> offensive rebound after offensive rebound. Yeah. And Spark runs not only throughout the playoffs, but throughout the season. So if they have somebody they can bring in to give Horford a break, who's gonna be probably laboring throughout the season after playing that marathon of a year at what 35, he's gonna be 36 now. Is he 37? Uh, he's 36. I think he'll be 37. Horford, Horford. 36 right now. 36. Yeah. yeah. So you're you're definitely going to need to give him some rest. So having somebody that can help you rebound is going to be fantastic. I am now sold in, not to mention he's local, which I've also been saying <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah. yeah, I do explain to somebody the other day that he they, they called me out because they, they're like, he's a local kid, right? And I was like, yeah, he's from Haverhill. And they were like, where is he from? Because this says Haverhill. And I'm like, yeah, that's not how we say it. <laughs> Haverhill. <laughs> Haverhill, love it. Who's saying it Haverhill? Uh, Even if I didn't yeah. know how to say it, I would say it Haverhill. Yeah, yeah that's what I, that was my. I guess. think they look I, at it as the word is have, right? But I guess, uh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. I explained very clear. I'm like, no, we say Haverhill, and then that launched into a whole conversation about like pronouncing a whole bunch of other places in Massachusetts that make little sense. Too. Did you see the Warriors did that for the finals? No. Oh, you got to go and find it, Jack. You didn't see this either. They had a bunch of guys too. trying to pronounce. Different towns throughout Massachusetts. It was great. It was absolutely fantastic. I can imagine. That's very funny. Love that. Um, anyways, yeah, the other guys, Bruno Caboclo, Justin Jackson, Broderick Thomas. Um, Jackson Thomas obviously played for the summer league team, played well, and Caboclo is by math standards four years away from being uh good in the NBA. <laughs> he's only 26 too, which is crazy yeah. to me because he's yeah. been around forever. Um you're obviously a Vonley guy from everything you said. Do you see any of those other guys having a chance or are they just kind of there to give Vonley or give everybody competition? Yeah, I mean, the reality is this team right now has three open roster spots on the regular season roster because they only have 12 players under contract minus the yeah. two-way players. So 
a couple of them are going to stick because you're going to be at 14 anyway. So at least a couple guys are going to stick. I don't see any other anybody else really jumping in there and saying, hey, we'll sign on if you kind of go through the veteran free agents that are out there. I think all of them are looking for more of an opportunity. Um, but I think what they're going to do is they're going to go with extremely – you know, minimum signings at the end of this bench, uh, bring those guys in. They'll probably move through a couple guys throughout the course of the year. It'll probably be, all right, you know, this guy's kind of almost like what happened with Jabari Parker, where it's like, all right, he's okay, but he's not really sticking. So we're going to move off him. We'll go get somebody else. Um, You know, maybe the roster need arises where it's like, we really need to go get a center. And then they'll go pluck somebody who's available in free agency or playing well in the G League. And then I think what they'll really do is after the trade deadline, it'll be, hey, veterans who are looking to catch on and make a run for a ring, which they haven't been able to do in a number of years. Not because they haven't been good enough. I think that's the misconception is I think people will say, like, well, it's because they have they really been contenders. Well, they have, but they've never had the spots, right? Because it's been in the last few few runs, it's been the guys who are in the 13, 14, 15 spot are guys like, Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford, Peyton Perth, guys who were draft picks that you're not going to give up on. Now it's, yeah, this dude we signed, he, he's you know made the team out of camp. Like they might move off of them. So that's what I think is more likely to happen is we'll see, you know, March, April editions that are guys designed around, right? They're just better depth if we need them, you know, for, for the season. Yeah. The reality is they probably will have no impact because rare is the bio player who actually makes an impact in a playoff run. It almost never happens. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, any of these guys uh, that they're signing in training camp, you never know until you find the Gary Payton, like the Warriors found yeah. in training camp. There's, yeah. there's always a chance. That's why you keep there. doing it, right? You keep, yep. keep bringing those guys in, just keep cycling through those last few spots. Cause you may find somebody who all of a sudden it's like, wow, this guy can really play. And I think that's a far better approach to the last few spots than signing. You know, I've seen people, you know, <laughs> Jack, I know you know this, like, Hey, we should go get, Dwight Howard or Tristan Thompson or one of those things. <laughs> like, why? What role are those guys going to play? They're probably not going to play, to be quite honest. And then if they're not playing, all they're doing is taking up a roster spot from somebody yeah. you could maybe pop and have for the next three or four years versus one of these guys. Now, when you get to March, April, I have no problem with our right, word title contender. If we lose, you know, a big man gets injured, like like what happened with Robert Williams, I want to make sure we have another tested vet to throw in there. Yeah. Then that's fine. You know, make your move then. But yeah, cycle through in the early months of the year because there's a, it's not going to hurt you at all. Well, it's it's too bad the Nuggets acted super quick and signed DeAndre Jordan. That would have been that would have been <laughs> yeah. a good one. Yeah, <laughs> for the Celtics. But um, you, you can and here, and his freedom's somebody. available. He, Dennis yes. is still out there. You know, he cannot believe he's not been approached. He said yeah. one month in, not a single call. Yep. Um, no, but I kind of relate it back to just talking about having too many veterans on the bench and then restricting yourself. The Nets last year, it didn't end up mattering, but they had like Marcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, and then they had to let go of like DeAndre Bembry, James Johnson. And Johnson was mm-hmm. a veteran too, but like both of those guys were playing better minutes than the others were giving them. It was it was just a very weird situation, and I can see how signing one of these guys like Thompson or Howard could lead to that. And I've always been of the camp just sign these younger guys. Like I thought Kevin Gailey or Kevin Jaley, sorry, um, could have been on a. a full roster spot if they believed in him or at least among this training camp group but they got him on a two-way and the same thing could be said for Von Lee and Justin Jackson who could yeah and eventually you, could see, you you could see you know Kevin Gelly or uh or mm-hmm. um uh JD Davison if they yeah. play really great like they convert them and now they come come over I think you'll probably hold longer on that because you've got a little bit more control let them play mm-hmm. it out and then you can always convert them in season um down the line if you need to but yeah I, I think that that's a possibility I always say with veteran players they hit they all every single one of them hits a point where they're more named than game and you look at it and you're like wow that guy you know Lamarcus Aldridge like he's great I had people ripping me apart when I wrote the first round playoff series. Cause like you didn't write a single thing about LaMarcus Aldridge. And I'm like, LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't play anymore. He's out of the rotation and hasn't played meaningful minutes in like a month and a half. And like people are like, no, I can't, he's LaMarcus Aldridge. And I'm like, yeah, go look. And they're like, Oh, and then you got the couple that like, they're just never going to give up the fight. Right. It's like never stop posting online. And yep. they're like, well, you know, it, but that's cause they're saving him. 
you know, they were like, oh, okay, that's <laughs> saving that's them. Was. You know, yeah, <laughs> you, you, you just, you know, it, 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 you know, it's, it's unfortunate. So I don't know if you guys seen the movie Moneyball. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's like when uh scout says to Billy Bean, like there comes a time when they, they, they always tell us we, you can no longer play the children's game. Right. And it's yeah. like, and it's so true. I mean, that comes a point where you, you just can't play anymore. You know, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, more often than not, it comes a year or two too late for a lot of these guys and these teams because they, they see the player and they're like, ah, hey, let's bring them in. And sometimes they're great locker room influences and it's fine that they don't play. But other times it's like people see the name and they're like, well, why is Blake Griffin not getting run? Well, it's because he, mm-hmm. he can't move anymore and he can't, <laughs> you know, do these, these things that are needed. Yeah. No, I totally get that. Um, that's, most of the stuff I had on my list, I know I whenever we have a first-time guest, Sam likes to ask a set of questions, so we'll run through those and we'll get you out of here. I want to yeah, start off, though, because I want to know if you have a favorite uh, Twitter interaction you've had because all these stories you're telling us are fantastic of these big brain individuals with the keyboards <laughs> or, or perhaps the iPhones going the, at you. The, the, the keyboard cowboys, that's what yeah. I like to oh, call yeah. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. I've yeah. never yeah. heard that one. Yeah, they fire up their Twitter fingers and they're ready to go. Um. No, nothing really comes to mind. I mean, I'll clap back sometimes, especially if it gets really, um, you know, my favorite interactions. I love the threads. It's, it's, um, I just, I I don't like, you know, like sometimes people say things where I'm like, you can't, like, you can't even imagine thinking it. Never mind, like, then I'm going to (laughs) type this out to a stranger I've never met over. Mm Sometimes it's the most stupid basketball things in the world. It's like the most minor of things. It, this is, it's not a favorite, but it's probably the dumbest thing that ever happened. And this was years ago when I had a much, much smaller following. I had written that I thought one of the worst offseason signings. So this will take you back a few years was Joe Kim Noah to the Knicks. And I was like, they way yep. overpaid him. Like, and I actually wrote in that piece, I wrote it for real GM when I was writing for them at the time. I wrote, I guarantee you at some point this contract is stretched. That's how bad it is. And that's exactly what happened. And I had a Knicks <laughs> fan reply to me and like, you're an idiot. You think you know better than Phil Jackson. You know, went on and on and on. And he ended the reply with, you should go find every, every, um, member of your family wipe yourselves all off the face of the earth so no trace of you ever exists and i was like that's way over the top because of joe kim noah like and that that was my kind of welcome to like wow man people are passionate and they will say literally anything when, when they get fired up well what do you want out of him? he's a knicks fan they don't have much to be excited about ever <laughs> especially back then right carmelo's yeah. like their favorite guy and they went to the playoffs what twice with him on the team beat the celtics one year they did <laughs> that was almost a fan i mean it still was a good moment when they came back and almost almost did it but we do play? we do sorry not to cut you off saying we do pregame shows and at the start of the year when the celtics lost opening night to the knicks we had a knicks fan come in our like live stream chat just like talking a bunch of andrew. like crap andrew or was it and him then, or it was it was else? andrew yeah and then by the end of the year he was like a celtics fan rooting for them in the playoffs like in our chat it was it was great it was, transformation. Was it? it was bing bong right that, that was, they yeah, love that oh they love that i i'll be honest i like when the knicks are good because i think knicks fans are fun like like i just <sighs> i i just they, they get they get so wild like i like i have no problem with with my it just entertainment tone it down with the personal attacks and yeah don't be mean horrible things to themselves like talk trash about basketball not about people yeah absolutely but jack you were right i do have the list of uh questions i usually ask just about like you know different celtics related things the first is do you have a favorite uh you know moment you've got to see in person at the garden or you know or down in orlando whatever it may be do you have one yeah, it's 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 two, but they're they're tied together. I Sweet. went to the last game in the Boston Garden, the playoff game against the Orlando Magic. And then I went to the first game in what is now TD Garden, um, in the, their first ever game that they played there. So I was at both of those games. The the Magic game, what it just it was cool to be in the Garden. And just a quick funny story, I got up to go to the. We had horrible seats, and in the <laughs> old bar, you guys probably you guys. I'm guessing neither one of you ever went. Right? Nope, probably 1998. Okay, yeah, I figured. Um, there was we were sitting on the baseline, but up in the what was called the loge section, right next to the organ, 
um, which was still like a live organ that that somebody played. And in order to see the closest, the no, the furthest basket, we did do this, like <laughs> lean over because the overhang from the balcony section like blocked your view from the other end. But anyway, I got up to go to the bathroom in between quarters, and I came back. I'm like, what is going on here? Because my they were um the seats were slats, so like it was like like wood, 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 yeah. wood. I think it was like four, maybe five. I don't know. And like three of them were missing. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And this guy goes, oh, I thought you were leaving for the game. And he said, I'll put it back. He was in process of stealing the chair out of the, the, the building. And like, and he's, he's, he's like, but I get it when you, when you go for good. And I'm like, yeah, man, but I just like, we got two more quarters. But go. I get it. Like, I would like to sit here. Like I'm not, and I was, I was young. I was a teenager at the yeah. time. So yeah. So that's one, one of my favorite moments. It's like he's going to teach you a lesson if you're like, no, I want the chair. Like yeah, it's right? my yeah. seat. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I get it. It's mine. Yeah. I was like, all right, man, I might fight you over the seat. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, that's yeah, Boston Garden was a trip, man. It was. That is that, the best. Yeah. That might be one of the best ones we've got for him. That's up there. It, it's different. Some people just yes. have like, oh, the finals, this, that. But that that has real meaning to it. So do you just have a favorite moment in general, not a championship? A lot of people will say like the Marcus Smart double charges, a very popular one. Isaiah Thomas with 50 points against the Wizards. Do you have a favorite, you know, all-time moment, Keith? Yeah. Um, so I grew up on the Larry Bird era. He's still yeah. my – my he's like neck and neck with Tom Brady for my like all-time most favorite athlete. Um, I – so growing up on Larry Bird playing – it, it's 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 a little lesser known because it came at the end of his career, but he had a game in the playoffs against the Indiana Pacers. He dove for a ball and he smashed his face into the floor and he left. And it was like that, like he's not going to come back. Like he really hit the floor hard, stayed down for a long time, and then he came running out of the tunnel with his warm up jacket on, and the crowd was going. It was the Larry, 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 and I'll never forget like watching that on TV and like the way, like it was just this feeling of like holy crap. And he immediately got in the game, got the ball, and drained a jumper. And it was like this is this is Larry Bird. Like this is even at that limited older like he's like this is what he means. And it's like that. I'll never ever ever forget that. Um, you know, when, when that happened, um, you know, and that was you know, late, late in his career, but just one of the coolest things that I'd ever seen just because of the connection with the crowd too. And just everybody, you know, just the way they popped when he came back out of the tunnel was the coolest thing. Yeah. Jack, we, we never were lucky enough, but I, I'm always jealous when people tell bird stories. I never got yeah. to experience it live. I've it seen highlights. I, I will tell you, I don't think I'd be as big into basketball as I am if I hadn't grown up on like Larry Bird and the Larry Bird Celtics. Like it was, it was really great. And then obviously as the team kind of got bad at post bird because, you know, Reggie Lewis unfortunately passed away and Mikhail retired and went through, you know, the real dark ages and then the Patino years and all that. It was very, I was felt very good that there was, I was never like a big Michael Jordan fan, but like there was Jordan then picked up, the tour trade and kind of carried things and like the league just kept going, you know, from player to player. And it was, it was really cool to like, I don't know what I would have done if I had, because by the time bird retired, I was so attached to the game as a whole. Um, so I stayed, you know, a super big fan at that point. Do you have any favorite piece of memorabilia, autograph, jersey, whatever? I'm, I mean, maybe a ticket stub from that last game at the garden. Yeah, I have the, I, so I have, it's yeah. in like one of those baseball card things. I have the ticket stub, but I have both sides of it. So I have, mm. I have both ticket stubs in the same thing. So I have the last game on one side, the first game on the other side. So that's, that's awesome. probably my favorite thing. I don't, I don't have a lot of um, stuff like, like that. Like I, I, I just, I, I never really got anything like that. I've never, never been like a big person to go like chase that stuff down and stuff. It it's funny. You don't even get ticket stubs anymore. No. Yeah. Yeah. Phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Very weird. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think that's it for me. Yeah. Uh, I think so. The last one, I mean, I always ask, cause I, I used to be a big Jersey guy than I was. Now I have, I think I have a Jersey from every NBA team. They're all from China. So don't, it's not like I'm spending <laughs> a lot of money, but uh, when I was in college, I collected them. Do you have a favorite Jersey or did you have a favorite Jersey? Like 
after when you were a kid or anything like that? Yeah, I had a um. So I had a bird dream team jersey that I wore yep. all the time. The number seven dream. You'd see the dream team picture right behind yep. me, the original dream team. Um, what you can't see above that is. Do you guys know what starting lineup figures are? They're like like, they're, uh, like little bobbleheads, right? Yeah, they're not bobbleheads, but they're like sports action figures. Okay, kind of like I think they just brought them back. Sports guys, I think they have started bringing mm-hmm. them back. Just above that picture is the dream team starting lineup set, like in in a they're like like in a shadow box that my wife put together. But yeah, in a Larry Bird dream team jersey. And my post Bird, my favorite player in the league was actually Patrick Ewing, because there's my my family knows Patrick Ewing's family from him growing up in Boston. Um, not like, like it's not like I can call Patrick Ewing. He's going to know who I am or anything, but I love Patrick Ewing. Like he was like my favorite player um, post bird. So I also had a Patrick Ewing uh, Knicks Jersey that I wore all yeah. the time, but literally I have not put on a basketball Jersey since my <laughs> last game that I played in high school. Like it's, I, <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm I'm kind of a bigger dude, but I don't think <laughs> grown adults look real good in basketball yeah. jerseys. Like it's just never one of those things that's made a ton of sense to me. Um, you know, especially too, it's a, it tends to be a lot of pasty, pasty white dudes wearing them with me. nothing on underneath, and it's like throw <laughs> oh, no, a t-shirt no, no. You, on. You got to do the there, t-shirt. Yeah, you, can't, like, you can't. Yeah, do yeah. The if, if you're playing in the game, cool to have no t-shirt. If you're not playing in the game, throw a t-shirt on underneath. Mm-hmm. There. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a big jersey guy. Give me like a football jersey. Like I'll take those. I'll do like yeah. the, I'll do the baseball jersey, but mm-hmm. t-shirt underneath and leave it open, kind, yep. kind of deal. But yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big big uh, uh, basketball tank top jersey guy. <laughs> the only time I really wore them was when I was in college. I'd put like a hoodie on underneath in the winter and the jersey over the hoodie. That the I hoodie, was... yeah, the hoodie underneath. I can yeah. especially up north, right? Like down down oh, yeah, yeah. Florida. It's like I like, think it's funny <laughs> where, when we 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 had. There was the NBA store. <laughs> it didn't last very long at Disney Springs um, near where I live at the Disney mm-hmm. property. And you'd see these guys. It was, it was off. The, you, it's funny. You can tell when uh, people come from Europe to vacation in Florida, especially people from England, because they are as white as can be. And then you see them like two days later and they look red like a lobster because um, they get so sunburned so quickly. But like just dudes walking around with like they walk out of the store wearing the jersey they just bought. And it's like, has that skin ever seen the sun? Like, or how many years has it been since, you know, you've had that part of your body has seen sunlight because it's like, you know, a little tan here and then like completely white everywhere else. Oh, that's me. That That is yep. a thousand percent me. Yeah. I look like the Absolutely. guy from, uh, what's that, that Disney movie, Lilo and Stitch, the guy eating the ice cream. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. What they all look yep. like. yeah. Yep. I take the shirt off. I yeah. look like I still have one on, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The farmer stand going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. No, I man. It's not. It's yeah. I'm not. Not a. But what's funny is I. I like. I still. I, I won't hesitate to critique jerseys when like yep. like teams come up with new ones like whatever those monstrosities the utah jazz are gonna wear this season oh, was, you know i don't even know what happened there but it's uh but yeah i mean and they, they they went from some of the best in the league to whatever that mess is but i will so jack you may have seen this or maybe this is new for you because i haven't done this rant in a little bit i i the the green and black celtics jerseys have grown on me some the, the black ones with the green accents those I'm okay with them wearing every once in a while. I don't want to see anything else but the classic home whites and the classic road greens. I did all this other stuff that they got, get, them, get rid of all of them, fire them into the sun. These ones they keep coming out with that it looks like it was the worst themed Irish bar in, you know, <laughs> not in Boston where it's called like, you know, like O'Kelly's pub or something. And yeah. it's like, you know, and it's like it went out of business and it became like a, like a taco restaurant two weeks later. Like get rid of all of those, get rid of all of them, the classic green. And I'll take it a step further. Green on the road, white at home, mixing the black every once in a while. And my last piece that's Jersey related the Celtics should always, always, always play a home game on St. Patrick's Day, and that should be the only day they wear the green uniforms is at home on St. Patrick's Day. Keith is an ally. I mean, <laughs> it, it has just been laid out. I've been fighting the fight for years. I hate just Well, Nike has come in and ruined it. Yeah, ruined I, hate, I hate all of almost all the alternate jerseys. I think they all look terrible. The banner ones kind of got me a little bit. 
towards last year. I didn't mind the the throwback with the the old school leprechaun logo, but those mm-hmm. were still at its core. They were the white jerseys yeah. and the green green jerseys. But yeah, and the black ones did. They they took a while, but those they they do look pretty sharp. Um, and I I kind of don't mind the ones with the gold accents. Oh, yeah. but it's those... when it's just the accents. Like, yes. but yeah, but I'd rather put that on shooting shirts, put that on warm ups. Like that stuff can be fine. Like, let's just stick with the the what, what works. They're the best. Mm-hmm. They're for my money. They're the best jersey set in sports because they're just classic and clean. And it's a color that color green nobody else uses. It's a different mm-hmm. color green than anybody else has because um, it's not a bright green, but it's not a dark forest green. It's like something in between. Like they call it Kelly green, um, but it's like, it's, yeah, I just, yeah, but that's there. You got, you got the Jersey ran out of me. Well, uh, there, there is no better guy to rant. Oh yeah. Here. I mean, <laughs> all the time when, when they came out with the news in the finals that they were going to wear the correct jerseys everywhere. I was like in heaven. I was like, they have some respect. They finally made yeah. it back and they're going to, they're not going to screw around with the jerseys. Anymore. Well, it kills just, me when like they play the Lakers and like they're in their white jerseys oh. in LA. Like that's a classic <laughs> matchup. You know, it should be purple versus white in Boston, green versus I call it yellow. I know they call it gold, but yellow in in LA, and off we go. I vividly remember having that exact conversation with Sam when they played oh, yeah. the Lakers this past year. That's, yeah. that's that's crazy but as, uh, as we yeah. talked about uh sabonis <laughs> yeah i remember that and, and i yeah. wanted to murder somebody the sabonis news just came out and we were talking about that instead of the game and sam was very mad i was like they're playing uh, the lakers <laughs> <laughs> but anyways i know you got to get going here shortly um thank you so much for joining us today we appreciate it i appreciate it uh, yeah, Keith Smith MBA on Twitter. Check out Celtics blog, Spa Track, got it right, uh, and the Front Office Show podcast. Anything else? Did I miss anything that I, that I cover all the bases? Nope, you're good. You got them all. Love that. Uh, uh, yeah, and I'll throw it over to Sam real quick to wrap right, up. I'll catch it. Thank you very much for listening or watching. If you're on YouTube, you're on Guy Boston or Bannertown. Regardless, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. We always appreciate it. I think we're approaching 100 on Bannertown, which is pretty good. We're getting it's there. shot up pretty quick. S- Slow grind, but yes. And if you're listening on whatever streaming service, make sure you follow us and make sure you follow Keith. He hopped on. We appreciate that very much. He is Jack's dream guest, and we finally got him I'm for him. So happy. Make but... sure you follow him at Keith Smith NBA. Check out Celtics blog, Spot Track, and the front office show. Catch him there. You can follow Jack at Jack Simone NBA. If he decides he wants to tweet out the pod, he will or not. No, 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 I no, do no, my no, best. No, 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 no. <laughs> He will put out his articles, his interview with Grant Williams. We'll plug that, right? And uh, from Rafters Pod on Twitter. That is where he will tweet the pod from, not his account. And you can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA to see me complain about the, the jerseys when, when the time comes. That's our show for the day. Check, Taco. Come on. Tacos. Tacos having some fun here.